0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMitt.
1: And I'm Julian Taylor.
0: And welcome to our podcast. Welcome back to the Two Bald Guys Talking Safety podcast. Langdon and Jules here. And Jules, it's good to see you. How, how's life? How are things going? Yeah, good, Langdon. It's good to see you. Yeah. Um... I don't feel like I've been able to play as much golf, I'm assuming, or something. You have a little more of a tan to you than last time i saw you
1: about a month or two ago well i did manage to sneak out of the uk for a couple of weeks but actually on 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 holiday instead of um, for work trips which was great so bit of time down in in southern europe um so two rounds of golf um which was very pleasant um but it did it, it did actually uh, whilst on holiday there were a couple of things happened that Thought great because I've got something I can talk about in the next podcast, so I'm going to talk to you about those things. Great, job thinking about work while we're in, and I love it. Never stop. I'm always always front of mind. Yeah. Um. So the first thing was was immediately that we arrived. So we arrived um, probably eleven thirty at night, and and I booked a rental car. Um, and and there's been a bit of a break with holidays because of the C word that we can't mention um covid um I've just mentioned it no so so it's been a while since I've driven on the other side of the road because we drive on the right side of the road in the UK so everybody else drives on the wrong side of the road so we're driving on the wrong side of the road and I'm driving a left-hand drive car instead of a right-hand drive car and and it just really related back brilliantly to to the last podcast where we were where well, we're talking about conscious and unconscious competency. And and I was sat there literally driving to the villa on the first night thinking about conscious and unconscious competency as I had to think through every move deliberately as I drove the car. So I have an automatic car. So I had a stick shift. So I had a manual, had to change gear, but with the wrong hand. Um, I'm trying to look in the, in the rear view mirror and I'm looking to the left instead of to the right, cause it's normally to the, to my left, if I'm in a right and drive car, um, it had a handbrake. I haven't had a car with a handbrake for five years because they're automatic. And, and it was, I just thought it was actually, it was really interesting in terms of how conscious you become when you go back to doing something that you've not done for a while. And again, when we relate that back to safety, if, if you think about maybe a manufacturing situation where people get moved around different pieces of equipment, you can't take it for granted just because somebody's done something before that they're going to slot in seamlessly and do it in the safe way because actually it might not come as naturally as we think to them. Yeah. Well, didn't it feel good, though? You got to use the dominant. You're a right-hand dominant
0: anyways. Yeah, yeah, I am. So it's like you were finally in the proper scenario of where you should be welcome to the proper right side
1: to drive thank you yeah amazing how uncomfortable it felt that's all i'm saying (laughs) and 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 the the second thing that happened is that um there's a guy called simon sinek and i don't know whether you've heard of simon sinek um and and he he does lots of speaking around leadership and around motivation um, and I must admit I'm in a little bit of a man crush on Simon Sinek because I, I kind of, I love the way that he talks. He's just got, you know, one of those voices that you could sit and listen to. Like man. Like yours. Exactly like yours. That's what I was searching for Langdon. Yeah. That's why we're so close. <laughs> That's it. Um, but he speaks with wisdom as well. Uh, and it's not about him. It's about how we treat other people and, and the things that we do to get a good reaction from other people. Um and it related back absolutely to our, our, our last pod where we were talking about leadership. And we were talking about um, how, we, how we encourage better leadership of people. And if you remember, we talked about the behaviors. We talked about the way that leadership behaves defines the way that people will react and, and be engaged. And, and Simon Sinek was talking about a very similar thing, but he talked about priorities. Um, and he talked about the, the importance of where it comes in the list of priorities. So the example I'll give is, if you think about, again, maybe a, a manufacturing site and, and, and the leadership might come out and say, okay, here's our priorities. Our priority is to maintain production at all times. Yeah, we want to maximize production. Yeah, we want to ensure that we deliver our products in a timely manner to the customer. So when they expect to get it, yeah, we also need to ensure that the quality of those products is good. And then maybe the fourth on the list is, and we want to do that, we want to have safety as a key part of what we do. So on the face of it, you think, great, the safety is part of the leadership conversation. But what Simon Sinek was saying, I thought, I thought it was a really interesting point, was, if we think about that, where does safety come in, 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 the, in the list of importance? It's actually fourth, isn't it? It's the fourth most important thing. So again, actually, it's not just about leadership talking about things, but it's about where they put it in that list. So actually, if we flip that round, we might say, actually, the the first thing we want to do is ensure that we maximise production, but we're doing it safely. So actually, it's now top of the list. It's, it's front of mind. yeah. Because people will still behave in a way that says, OK, safety is important. But actually, the most important thing is just get production out there. Get it done. So I thought that was really interesting. So. Shout out to Simon Sinek, and if, if if people want to listen to him, he's got lots of stuff on YouTube, lots of stuff on. You can find him on Spotify, all the usual places. But yeah, a lot of what he talks about relates back absolutely to safety. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's a good point. And we've had the discussions before
0: of priorities versus values, and what happens when priorities change. And you know, I, I'm more of I like the value aspect better, but at the same time. You have to make things a priority. So because of our priorities, always shifting, always changing to that, if, if you make a cognizant effort to always have priorities, number one, and understanding why you're doing it, because it is that value aspect, that, that I think that's when we say changes. And we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but if you think about it from, from the perspective when... Being out in the organizations, being out in industry all the time, whether it's heavy manufacturing, construction, maybe it's just general warehousing, it is easy to constantly see changes because of what you just said. Production: What happens when you get behind? So we start thinking we need to we need to ramp it up, guys. We need to. You know, it's come from corporate. We have to produce fifty more bottle caps per month, or you know, per day. I mean, whatever it is. When you start hearing things like that more that means priority changes. So if you don't, even if health and safety is a value of what everything you're doing, if you don't keep that in the back of your mind, just like you said, especially when we go to things that, you know, employees, especially when they go to do jobs that they've been doing for a long period of time, you don't get that refresher of thinking, I need to be a little extra safe while I'm doing this because I'm so used to doing what I'm doing, whatever that job is you know, you went to something totally different and you were, I dare say, and I've ridden with you before. You're a good driver anyways. That's a true compliment, but I dare say that you might've even, even though it was totally different, been a little better because of being so much more cognizant and understanding. I have to be on top of my, on top of my game, honestly.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and I was just going to say, and it leads really nicely into, into today's subject which is about how we how we help with engagement generally with with employees but even if you think about things from a personal perspective again you were talking there about when we fall behind what happens in in production but even in your in in your own personal life if you're late for something think about the way that your behaviors change as you try to make up that time and you maybe don't do things in the best way possible even if it's running to catch a train and you may be cross a road without looking properly, for example. So um so so today we are talking about engagement. Um and, and I think again you've probably given us a really good starting point there, Langdon, which is is this whole priority versus value. Um and, and again I'm from the north of England and we're, and we're renowned for being fairly cynical people in the north of England. And, and, and I'm a bit cynical about things like company values when we're trying to encourage people to do things. Because actually, does does the average person who's doing a job really care about those company values? Is that really going to motivate them to do things in the right way? Um, and And we've talked about this before, but a really nice approach to this is is actually, okay, the company values are fine, but actually we've got to tap into the what's in it for me for individuals. So so what are what are the sort of personal motivators for somebody to, to do things safely when, when they go to work each day? Yeah, and I think that's a great point because you also think
0: about it from the perspective, just to that point, how do we, how can we actually even portray why it matters just to what you said, because I think that is a true point. And I don't even know that maybe that is cynical. I have a, I hear oftentimes from wife and some peers, uh, sometimes that I'm a little more of a realist. I feel like I'm putting that in a nice way. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You know, uh, I might want to buffer, or try to clean up things, but it is what it is. And I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty, um, pretty much across the board when you really think about it, whatever organization, you know, I, I know I've used that example when I was building the the playhouse, the little treehouse playhouse thing for my daughter, how many times I would cut corners and, and meaning I would not in the building, it's built very nicely. But how many times if I don't have my safety glasses, they were in the garage and I was back here and, you know, it was super hot here in Tennessee in the middle of summer. Like, well, I can just kind of, mm-hmm all right, we're good, you know, and, and and you do things like that because of we make that assumption that we, we, we've done the job, we know what we're doing, we've, it's not a big deal, we can tack it on at the end. So you think about why does that matter from an engagement standpoint? And it, it matters because we have to help them understand why are we even doing things in a healthy and safe manner from the get-go, honestly. Engagement is something that it's, uh, I think, It has the opportunity to create just a a wonderful workplace because everyone is they establish that extra level of camaraderie. And hopefully by now everyone knows I love the word camaraderie, but it it does help establish that and just that rapport and that that care of wanting to be healthy and safe. And and you think about the last thirty years realistically, whether it's US, whether it's UK, when we've seen incident rates drop that says we have seen some type of engagement that has occurred. We have seen improvement occur. We have seen employees getting engaged, but we're still seeing serious incidents. We're still seeing fatalities. They haven't adjusted as much. We're still seeing incidents. So then you start thinking, well, what are different avenues that we can start tweaking to get people healthy, healthier and safer. And usually that is around engagement because it's, you know, it's, it does, it ties back perfectly to the conscious, unconscious, really. If if you have unengaged workers, maybe not meaning unengaged from being as, as aware as they need to be from a healthy and, and safe mindset, I think you probably are going to continue to see incidents occur. Now, maybe they're an incident without loss. Maybe it's a quick first aid, maybe it's a, a bunch of near misses, but who's to say a near miss, you know, it's a split second away from an incident. And I think that's great. It's, it's trying to think of that value. of Why am I doing, what am I doing? Why does health and safety matter? And how can we make it a
1: value add throughout? Yeah. I, I'm chuckling slightly there. Cause, cause what you said about building the playhouse is, is, it amazes me how many health and safety people go home and forget everything that they talk about at work when they start doing stuff at home. The well, we know it.
0: We, yeah, yeah. we know it.
1: That's the You know, it's funny. You're right. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but going back to your value thing, I think, I th- I think one really nice approach to this is, is one that, that we've discussed before, which is actually getting people to think about the long-term effect if it goes wrong. So talking to people about what are the things you like to do outside of work yeah i know you like to pick charlotte kate up you like to play with your kids yeah um actually what would happen langdon if you couldn't do that for the next six months because you've been injured in the workplace and it's getting people to really relate to okay yeah business priorities are important but actually we're doing this for you so that you can keep doing the things that you want to do outside of the workplace um and i think kind of aligned to that as well is and again aligning back to that leadership discussion that we talked about last week is is actually thinking about can we articulate why engagement is important can we actually say why it adds value to a business so when we're having that conversation with senior leadership actually what does health and safety engagement do that actually makes it worth investing in apart from just keeping people safe which we should be doing anyway. and you stop and think about it. it it i love the way that you say camaraderie i can't say it like that but i love the way that you say it yeah um but that camaraderie that you talk about actually if we create that within the workplace what the knock on effects so we get people want to stay and, and and stay with the business yeah so we start to get better retention numbers yeah if they stay with the business generally they get better at what they do because they've got that experience so they they do a better job yeah so we get better pro- productivity we get better quality so it's actually helping senior leadership as well to realize this isn't just about safety actually safety is a really great lever or lever in, in your language um, it's a really great lever isn't it to say actually we become better as an organization and and it's Sidney Decker talks about it, doesn't he? In in, in the sort of safety movie, talks about the fact that safe sites generally are the more productive and, and, and the better quality sites.
0: And you know, I think yeah, I
1: think mean, that's it. And it's you think about it from the
0: perspective so I, you mentioned that about Charlotte Kate, and I remember and that's exactly, I mean that that is it. There was a scenario a few years ago, I was doing some work with an organization and it was actually local. And we were focusing general health and safety, doing some assessments, doing some inspections and whatnot. But a lot of focus was on ergonomics and the type organization was around, if you had an eight hour shift, if you got done in four hours, then dark, go home. So I went out there and this was a couple of days, we were working, creating some JHAs for them and just, a number of things. And that was exactly it. So a guy was picking up, he was trying to pick up as fast as he could. I mean, you watched him, he was you know, just going and working. He was a young guy, but he was, you know, pretty stout. And, and where I tied it in, I, I kind of watched him when I, I got to thinking, you know, that's an area we need to focus on. Didn't say anything. Cause I was doing a, a general came back a little later, watched again. And then we started talking about that specific, what all does your task entail? And I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty. Uh, I, I did introduce myself. You know, we talk, so it wasn't like some stranger just sitting there staring and watching what they're doing. So, if you're doing anything like that, remember to establish camaraderie and make sure they know you're doing the job. They're doing the job the way they normally do, not shifting because you're watching. Um, but long story short, we—I found out he had a young child. His his wife had just had a kid. He. Um, He wanted to finish the job as fast as he could because he he was excited to get home. And we just started talking and I said, do you ever get sore or anything? And he he said, yeah, you know, sometimes back's a little tight, but it's fine. You know, I stretch it. It's good. What happens if you get hurt and you can't pick up your kid? And it was kind of, you know, like triggers. I'm not going to get hurt. I said, you probably won't. But what happens if you did? And you start thinking about that scenario, then we have affected, if he gets hurt at work, his home life is affected because he's not gonna be able to pick up his child for a given amount of time, hopefully you know, not long. But then what happens in the workplace, if you actually tie it back, he's not able to do that job. So then we have to figure out of where can we put him somewhere else, where can we, and that involves the retraining potentially, our productivity is gonna drop because then we have to get someone else to take his place. So I think it I think that's an that's an excellent point because it does tie into what is the value? You know, for him it was and everyone's different, that's another thing. But for him specifically, the value was he wanted to do the job as fast as he could so he could get home to his child and not get hurt. So we, we think about that. And and for that example, honestly, it was a relatively simple, easy fix. Sometimes it's not. And I think when I was doing that, and this was early in my career after I got out of my master's, so it was the real-life application I was able to start seeing more and more. And you start thinking, well, for this case, that was such an easy fix. How many others can we ensure that if we make it easy, if we make it simple change, if we make it relevant to what they're doing that's when you're creating better engagement because we've, so we've painted them as a value add. We've shown that, Hey, this is a pretty easy process. This is why it matters. Let's, let's streamline what we're trying to do. So then we now have a simple value added process where we can have engaged, engaged workers. Um, And to me that that's when you start even kind of ticking the table of, well, let's explore some other scenarios. Maybe it's making it interesting. You know, I know you and I have, slightly different areas on the next that the the gamification and and the only reason is because i I think it's great i like it but at the same time it's that you know little guys talking to you you just have to be careful the right shoulder says to the left let's let's make it a game let's do something fun while the other side's thinking but we have to make sure that while we stay competitive and keep it simple everyone understands that let's keep it real because engagement you know it's a tough one everyone's especially as we have the young workers, old workers, it's, we have to figure out how to touch all levels throughout. That's
1: a, it's an interesting, uh, difficult topic. I think it's like, it's like most things in life Langdon, that that it's not black and white. And I I agree completely. So when, when you talk about gamification, the last thing you want is actually, we, we don't want people just belting numbers into a system so that they can be top of a league table. We want to, we want to, get stuff in there for the right reason. But I think there is a really important point, which is think about the way that health and safety is perceived. And and, and in a lot of organizations, it's just perceived as this negative thing that, that happens. So- A safety cop. Yeah, health and safety is either a safety cop walking around saying, why are you doing it like that? Or health and safety is this thing we do when we've had an incident. So it's just seen as a negative. And I think whether it's leadership or whether it's engagement, if we can start to shift that perception, so we've talked about it already today in terms of actually it can support retention, it can support productivity, it can support quality, but also if we can start to get the broader workforce engaged with the fact that actually this can be a positive thing. Yeah, so it's about ideas, it's about trying to make things better and actually we we can have a bit of a challenge there in terms of which which part of the organization comes up with the most productive ideas in a month. So that way we can measure that it's good stuff that we get in. All of a sudden we've flipped it, haven't we, from being a negative to a positive. And I think that's a really good approach, a good way to think about it. Um, and then you, you spoke to the subject that you know is close to my heart because I hate KISS being used in the wrong way, which it commonly is. Um, just, I love that pr- principle of keeping it stupidly simple, yeah? I was going to ask you a question earlier. I was thinking what you were talking about. I was listening to you, by the way, but I was thinking at the same time. Um, The the question I was going to ask is, what's the longest either incident form or risk assessment that you've seen when you've been talking to organizations? I want to say
0: I've seen one that was about six pages off the top of my head. I'd have to think, I'm sure I've seen longer, but six pages just for an incident. And now, and, and part of that, even the problem is there's even duplication. So if you have an extended incident report and then there's duplication from somewhere else,
1: your engagement for that is going to drop drastically. Ooh. yeah. It is. It, and, and that's, that's a really simple thing that any health and safety professional can start to do is look at simplifying the processes because that will drive engagement. So seriously a six or seven page incident form is it ever going to get completed and actually do you need all the information that you're putting in there and i I probably challenge that you don't um and then things like risk assessments seriously if we've got long complicated risk assessments are people really going to look at them and read them um one of the best i heard was i was talking to a, a company that paint the lines on the road so they go around with a truck with a big burner on the back and they heat up paint and tar and stuff and i said to, how, do you, how do you manage risk assessments um and and they said oh we've every, every lorry's got its own risk assessments i said well how, how how do they how how do you manage them and he said well they've got a folder and they've got 50 risk assessments in the folder and and i i just i just laughed i couldn't help myself because i, I thought how often do you seriously think those guys who know how to do that job anyway ever stop and think? Oh, before we mark this yellow line on the road, we're gonna we're gonna quickly look at the risk assessment and flick through the forty nine other ones to get to it, and then read it. And it's six pages. It doesn't happen. So so an absolute over uh, sort of abiding principle has got to be just make it really simple. Make it simple, and you've got a chance that people are going to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, when you think about it, so risk and this is not you you don't hear something like something like this come out of my mouth. Usually if I like risk assessments, because that's where you identify hazards. And let's be honest, that's about one of the most important things you can do in any organization from a health and safety standpoint and even more than training. Now, I mean, they all tie together. But if I don't know how to look around and spot a hazard, I'm in trouble meaning then I can't identify that hazards are even in my work environment. If I can't look around and say, Oh, there's a cord right here. Oh, you know, I only have a foot to walk around over here. If I'm in manufacturing, Oh, oh, this machine guards not properly, you know, the screws coming. If If I can't do that, I'm in trouble. That being said, a lot of it, and you have to spin it. And you said something a moment ago about the, the negative aspect. And that's so crucial because if, if we're constantly being the safety cop, so we're trying to establish engagement, we're trying to create better camaraderie, better reporting, better communication, but we focus on, let's say we do a risk assessment and then we look at it and we kind of, maybe we don't spin it in a positive, we don't spin it in a negative, it, it is what it is. But we start staying on that negative aspect. What do we, what what, do you, what happens? If you were around negative people, you you become negative. Yeah. So we get so caught up in that. And that's, you know, the more I think about, the more you and I've talked about this for probably since I've known you, honestly, if we can create positive. So just spin these tidbits, make things positive versus the negative. That's when you start having a culture that is positive and then it can continue on. So if we don't, if we look past the negative up, Jules wasn't wearing his safety glasses properly, or I noticed that, you know, the seat belt was broken. God, they never fixed this seat belt on the forklift. Start spinning things. And that's just one simple, but if we can establish more positive, then hopefully the culture is going to be positive. So everything else that we've been talking about and, and so much more that exists, it's positive. It's not just about incidents, incidents. It's not just about injuries of what happened, but it's about the positive things that we see in the organization. And then, you know, as a whole, hey, you know, we're doing things right. Yes, failures happen sometimes, processes mess up, but we are on the right path of everyone understanding why it matters and we're doing things in a healthier and safer mindset, hopefully.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, I love that point you make about actually if other people are negative around you, it tends to suck you in, so I think that's a really, really important point for for people to be taking on board. Um, I, I I was just thinking as you were talking again that um, we maybe maybe need to talk sort to of marketing. We could have a little competition, couldn't we? So maybe we, somebody wins a coffee card if they can count up how many times we've used the word camaraderie in today's pod.
0: I think we would have to go back and count myself. <laughs> No, but this is this has been great Jules, and and for a recap, so what do you think we could probably narrow it down to four main
1: i mean this is tough we're gonna to say we're gonna narrow this down to four. after listening to Simon sinek, let's not put numbers against them let's prioritize them all okay yeah okay so simon so i i i'll I'll give you one you give me one I like I'll give it. you one you give me one okay so Firstly, tap into the what's in it for me. So what are the personal things that are important to them? And let's help them to understand safety is going to help them to keep doing those things.
0: Yes. And as you're making that value add, keep it simple. You know, we that's a huge one. But just keep it simple
1: so it can be replicated so people can understand why it matters. And so keep it simple and also make it interesting. Yeah. So how can we... How can we make it interesting? again, how can we align it to maybe their work situation or or their world? Yeah. Yeah. And finally, let's keep it positive. The negative we
0: have to focus on sometimes, we have to make comments about, we have to acknowledge it, but try to let the positive outweigh the negative so that when we go through health and safety, when we're talking about it, when the safety cops coming, it's not just about being negative, but it's about spotting the good things as well. Hey everyone, really appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com.
1: And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great.
0: And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days, and about your normal lives. Stay safe out there and watch each other's back.